Hello, uh, Andrew here and my bride Daisy is with oh. me. And the question that we have uh, can be a little bit of a controversial one, uh, but we want to not shy away from that. We want to invite healthy, respectful conversation around the hot topic of abortion. And um, the perspective that we're going to take is to answer this particular question, which is, what does Jesus say about abortion? And so right off the bat, you could see where our presuppositions lie. So everyone has presuppositions. We're just telling you those presuppositions up front. So we care about Jesus. Jesus is our Lord. So that means we believe he's in charge. He's our, in authority over our lives. And so we're seeking to answer that question in that fashion. Now, uh, that could be of interest to you if you're not a follower of Jesus. You may be, well, what, yeah, what does he think about that? Because okay. obviously he is a, the most famous person that ever lived, the most influential spiritual leader that's ever lived. Um, so we want to answer that question. And we would say, too, that this is not a political question, but rather it's a spiritual question. Yeah. So just, just disclaimer. Uh, just, just because we want to answer this question uh, from a Jesus perspective, uh, and we're going to focus it very spiritual, this doesn't mean that we are pro-Trump and everything that he's ever said. Um, it doesn't mean that this is all like a pro-Republican uh, podcast today, um, but rather you can be a pro-life Democrat. Yeah. You could be a pro-life Republican. You could be a pro-life Libertarian. You could be a pro-life atheist. There's atheists that are pro-life. Um, so this is, we want to kind of just, if you've gotten off on bunny trails already, we want to just reel you into what we're after today. And that is a spiritual answer to a spiritual question. Sound fair? Yeah. Okay. So right off the bat, what we'll start with um, is uh, a passage from Luke chapter 1, verse 41, where... Elizabeth, who is pregnant, uh, comes to Mary, who's also pregnant as well. So Mary, of course, is pregnant with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And then her cousin, Elizabeth, is pregnant with John the Baptist, who is the prophet who prepares the way for Jesus. And so Luke chapter 1, verse 41, actually says this. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And she exclaimed, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And so that word baby is actually used in the New Testament for uh, babies that are uh, post-birth as well. Okay. So linguistically, it's the same word that's used to describe a pre-born baby versus a, uh, a baby that has been born. Mm -hmm. And so that's extremely interesting. And, and of course, this is presupposing the authority of the New Testament, the authority of Scripture. And so, yeah. um, you know, that might be a good question for another podcast, Daisy. What do you think? Yeah, sounds good. Why should you believe in the authority of Scripture? Yeah. Like, why? Like, why would you? Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great question. Yeah. We could tackle that another time. Um, and then Psalm 30, 39, verse 16. Can you read Psalm 139 there for us, Daisy? For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay, so like what comes to your mind like when you hear that scripture verse in Psalm 139, I am knitted together in my mother's womb. I mean, it's just such an amazing verse because 
it shows that God, the creator of this universe, was like intimately involved in the creation of each one of us. And just, mm -hmm. you know, as, as, a, as a mother, it's so biological, the process, but at the same time, it's so spiritual too, this mm -hmm. creation of a whole new, not only body, but creation of a whole person with identity, personality, spirituality. Hmm. It's just, it's a really lovely thought. Yeah, it's pretty miraculous to think, okay, God is, God created me in my mother's womb. He's designed me, knitted me together. So it kind of makes me think about, man, we probably shouldn't be messing with what God's doing there, mm. right? So if he's the creator of it, yeah. we have to ask the question, what authority do we have you know, to mess with what he is creating there? And so clearly, uh, we believe that uh, Jesus, who's at the center of the scriptures, who's inspired the scriptures, is telling us this is a baby. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're out there and you're like, you know, I don't know if I believe that Jesus is my authority, but I believe more in science. Well, what does science say? And I think what we could look at is, and uh, scientists say this, that there are four characteristics of an unborn human. And they are this. The first is they're distinct. So an unborn uh, person has DNA, has a DNA and a body distinct from her mother and father. She develops her own arms, legs, brain, nervous system, heart, and so forth. Mm -hmm. So, and then number two, uh, she is living. The unborn meets the biological criteria for life. She grows by reproducing cells. She turns nutrients into energy through metabolism and she can respond to stimuli. Mm -hmm. Number three, she is human. The unborn has a human, human genetic signature. She is also the offspring of human parents, and humans can only beget other humans. Mm -hmm. And number four, uh, she is an organism. The unborn is an organism rather than a mere organ or tissue, mm -hmm. an individual whose parts work together for the good of the whole, Guided by a complete genetic code, 46 chromosomes, she needs only the proper environment and nutrition to develop herself through the different stages of life as a member of the species. So the argument that we would also make scientifically, so now we're going to go off of Jesus just for a moment, mm -hmm. and we're going to just answer the question scientifically. The argument would be there is no relevant difference in killing you, the embryo, and you, the adult. Mm -hmm or you the embryo and you the five-year-old, but rather you are you. You are a human life. Um, and so um, I was reading today, Daisy, that there's actually atheists that are pro-life who just make their argument completely on these grounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, what's been changing the pro-life movement, if that's what you want to call it, so dramatically in the last um, couple decades is ultrasounds mm. and how prevalent those are and how you can actually um, see the baby preborn and see what's happening and see that um, it does have human characteristics and that it develops into looking like a human very early on and with its own heartbeat, own fingerprints, own own distinct movements 
-hmm. And um, I think, you know, the days are past where we can argue, argue that it's just a group of cells. Right, that's right. And that's really just been changing the face yeah, of definitely, things lately. Definitely, I, I was on uh, Messenger with a group of guys that we've kept in touch since middle school mm -hmm. um, and we still message each other back and forth and one of my friends who's definitely more politically liberal mm -hmm. and um, I think it's good to have friends that come from a different perspectives in life uh, helps yeah. you hear other points of view mm -hmm. um, and we love everyone you know Jesus loves everyone um, but he goes Andrew um, if my political party were pro-life, do you think that could attract more people? Mm. And I was like, heck yeah, it would, because mm -hmm. science is showing this is a human being. Mm -hmm. So um, if we want to be pro-life, which is good, life is good, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> life is not yeah. bad. <laughs> um, I, I, that's how I answered the question. But I thought it was interesting that he asked that, you know, because I think it shows how science is changing and, and describing you know, that this is a human life. Yeah. Um, so what does Jesus say about abortion? Well, he says it's a human life. What does science say about a preborn person? Science says it's a human being. Yeah. But now I think the question or the objection that we get a lot as people who are pro-life advocates mm -hmm. is, isn't it my body? Mm -hmm. Therefore, shouldn't it be my choice? Mm -hmm. And I guess, Daisy, how would you answer that if someone said that to you? Well, I, I think um, the argument that I make as a Christian is that um, the whole premise of living um, under Jesus' rule in my life is that, you know, my life isn't necessarily my own. And we're mm. called to submit to each other out of love for one another. Wow. We're called to... Um, put ourselves lower so that others are higher and that we serve one another. And so um, the argument that it's my body and my choice um, says to me that um, I am, I'm the most important person and that no one else matters. And so as a Christian, even though you know pregnancy and childbirth is hard and can be overwhelming, um, I'm still called to serve the life that God has entrusted me with. And um, it's just a distinct human life, even though it's inside of me, it's distinct from me, it's another person that God created. And so I, I don't believe that it's within my, my rights to decide what happens to the other life. It's, mm -hmm. my, it's my duty to care for and respect and love that life that God's given me. Wow, okay, so the first thing you said is we're called to love and serve others. So. Like Jesus teaches us to love our enemies. Right. <laughs> so we're called to love and serve them. Uh, we're called to submit to one another in marriage. We do that every day. You know, mm -hmm. there's give and take, right? Yeah. Um, we're called to uh, love people that, are, that we don't like mm -hmm. very much. Mm -hmm. So what you're saying is there's even another layer to that here too, mm -hmm. and that there's another human being inside of you that you're called to serve too, and it's not just about you, right. your choice. Right, exactly. So what you're also saying then as well is that there's another human body inside of you that also has inherent rights. Mm -hmm. So it's not just my body, my choice, but I think what I hear you saying is, well, what about their choice too? Mm -hmm. And so um, 
Scott Klusendorf. He's the president of the Life Training Institute. Um, he teaches us to ask a couple of questions as we engage in these conversations. And I thought that they're, they're very thoughtful and it's meant to be asked in a respectful fashion, right? And he goes, the first question is, do you believe that each and every human being has an equal right to life or do only some, uh, some have it based on something none of us share equally? And his point is, is there something that qualifies mm -hmm. other preborn babies to be born mm -hmm. over and against others? Mm -hmm. And I think he's asking a rhetorical question that if we truly believe in the equality of all mm -hmm. human life, mm -hmm. then we would be led to answer the question that every human being has an equal right to life. Mm -hmm. His second question is, if it's wrong to hurt people because of skin color or gender, why is it okay to hurt them because they are smaller, less developed, or in a different location? Mm -hmm. And I think that's really eye-opening because as, as believers, we do believe in the dignity, value, and worth of all human life because human beings are created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So we are against racism <laughs> completely. Yeah. We are against sexism. Uh, every culture that's met Jesus uh, around the world has actually had more freedom and dignity given to women. Yes. Okay, that's kind of how historically the spread of the gospel has worked. Yes. Also, who was the one to advocate for uh, the life of Africans in the slave trade um, in Great Britain? William Wilberforce. Mm -hmm. He advocated for that on the basis of the fact that they do have rights. Mm -hmm that black people do have rights because they are created in the image of God. Yeah. So I think Christians have, you know, have been on the front lines of these issues. Um, and his argument is, well, just because they're less developed does not mean that they have less value. Mm -hmm. um, and so did you want to add anything to that, Daisy? Um, no, we can keep going. Okay, so we'll continue because I think we wanted you to answer the next question. Right. And it's this. And this is the one that I think you had some, something to answer is, why aren't pro-life advocates advocating those caught in human trafficking and poverty or promoting fatherhood or welcoming refugees? And I think, I guess my first answer would be, and then I'll put, pass it off to you, is, is the American Cancer Society neglectful because it fights one type of disease rather than many? Mm -hmm. I would think everyone would say no. Right. The, you know, like, like they're, you know, like if you're pro-life on Monday, does that mm -hmm. mean on Tuesday you have to fight for another cause, and then on Wednesday another cause? I mean, you can kind of. I think that argument runs out of gas pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But I guess I would say Christians are. You, and I think that could be a great topic for another podcast, mm -hmm. is are Christians on the front lines mm -hmm. when it comes to human trafficking, mm -hmm. fighting for those in poverty, mm -hmm. promoting fatherhood, and welcoming refugees? Oh, yeah. Historically, that has been what Christians do yeah. all over the world. But it doesn't it make the news. No. It doesn't, it's kind of like common, like that's what Christians are doing all over the world right now. Yes. But it's so common, you don't really hear about it on Fox News or CNN, you just, it's kind of just, it's what Christians always have done. Mm -hmm. But can you add to that? Well, I think 
Um, in light of the Roe v. Wade um, overturning that might be coming through the pipelines, you know, I've been hearing a lot um, on different podcasts and the news, and what I keep hearing over and over again is that um, Christians want to get on their moral high horse about saving babies, but they have no interest in taking care of or helping the mother or child after the baby's born. And I, I hear this over and over again, like it's just this truth. Mm. And I think that's confusing to me that that rhetoric is, rhetoric, rhetoric is out there because, um, you know, I've been involved with, known quite a few um, organizations that um, provide resources and help and ultrasounds and um, classes, diapers, food for, for women who are pregnant and for the women after the baby's been born. And I think there are so many organizations out there that are committed to helping um, the pregnant mom before the baby's born and after. And okay. so I think that this, this argument is meant to discredit people who um, believe no, don't believe in abortion, but at the same time, like it's just not true, mm -hmm. and it's not fair that it's just out there being said like truth when it when it really isn't. Because there there are a lot of resources out there, and there's a lot of people who deeply care about supporting that mother and that baby after the mother after the baby's born. Right. Okay. So there are. So that goes to the next point: is what are the alternatives mm -hmm. to abortion? Um, and I guess for us to, I think this is kind of at the heart of the, the matter. Um, should we be for pro-life legislation if we are pro-life? Of course. But ultimately today, I think what we were after is your heart and your viewpoint on this matter. Okay, so your, your, your viewpoint. Um, and everyone has a viewpoint on this, regardless of your background, what your parents taught you, how you've been formed educationally. Um, but we believe that even if Roe versus Wade is overturned, people are still going to go somewhere to have an abortion if that's what they believe in. So what we're after today is not only uh, pro-life legislation, but deeper. We're going way deeper. Mm. And that's the perspective that you have on life life that's pre-born, if it's your, your own or someone else's, and what does God want us to do there? And so I guess you're hitting on the question, what are the alternatives? And I think that statistically, it's typically unmarried people that have abortions mm -hmm. for the most part. So mm -hmm. we're going to go there um, because I think that's the bigger issue. Mm -hmm. um, but option one is you can parent the baby yourself. Mm -hmm. So that can be done. Mm -hmm. It may not be convenient. Mm -hmm. um, it may be exhausting. Mm -hmm. uh, it may be very hard. Um, your child may be a big load, right? Yeah. <laughs> but um, what a gift. Yes. What a gift yes. human life is. Yes. You know, and I guess um, parenting can be a difficult decision if the pregnancy was not part of the plan, uh, but you can make the choice to parent the baby. Uh, that, is, that is available even if it's a, a very challenging season or age mm -hmm. that someone's in. Mm -hmm. 
I was, I was listening to a podcast yesterday and a woman who became pregnant as a teenager was unmarried. Um, she had this testimony that her um, Christian community, when that happened, instead of ostracizing her or um, pushing her to the side, they just really came around her and loved her and supported her and um, just really helped her with that decision to keep and raise her baby. And she felt so loved through that and through other times that she was supported in her life that she went on as an adult to create a ministry where she helps other people with resources, with education. And she directly says, you know, that was because people loved me and took care of me when I was pregnant. Wow. And I'm just thinking, what if that were our culture? of saying, hey, you're pregnant, and this is not a convenient time for this, and this is gonna be hard, but we are gonna help you, and we're gonna love you, and we're gonna offer babysitting, and we're going to offer support, and we're gonna be there for you. Like, how much would this conversation change? What a beautiful, what a beautiful story. But see, those stories are not what we're told, right? right? And no. so you know about this story, you're sharing this story, and we want other people to know that community can be great mm -hmm. like we like at our church for example we have food <laughs> we have babysitters we have uh, there's so many resources we all have if we put our minds together mm -hmm. for a teenage single mother mm -hmm. we would love her to death yeah um, and so alternative number two is allow a relative to raise the child mm -hmm. okay so obviously you have to have a relative you trust that you think can do that um, and, and of course, the third option, which is an alternative, which is one of, a very common alternative, is you place the baby for adoption. Mm -hmm. And I just think about uh, just recently in our church and school community, there's a couple that had waited for uh, a baby that they wanted to adopt for years, mm -hmm. years. And there's waiting lists, and there's parents out there, or there's couples out there that are infertile and they want a baby to raise as their own. And I'm just thinking of the miracle and the gift and the joy of the, the match you've seen in this community of, yeah. of ours and yeah. the, the glow, the love, the, the support. And I'm thinking of that baby and what that baby's getting now. Mm. Wow, yeah. you know, and so now, is it easy? to have a baby and then give it up for adoption? I'm sure it's not. Yeah. I'm sure I mean, it's very, very hard. It's very hard. And so all of these, all of these decisions are hard. Yes. But it's, I think what you're going after is, this is gonna be hard, but in the long term, there's gonna be great blessing mm -hmm. and reward. And I think you one know? thing that's so true in life is just that there's seasons and there's hard seasons, but if you persevere through those seasons, things change, things get better. It's not always the same. So I think, yeah. you know, that's what I would tell a woman who is pregnant and considering an abortion is, yeah, this is really hard, but where do you want to be five years from now, 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. You know, don't do something you regret. Right, right. Okay, and then last point is this. If you're listening and you're like, you know, I'm pro-choice, I disagree with Andrew and Daisy, and we're in Denver County, and most people agree with me, not with them. I would just say, first thing I want to just say is, we love you, and we can have different perspectives, 
uh, our hope was to share our perspective. And you're still welcome to our church, you're still welcome to our school, our early learning center. We truly are an inclusive community. We just wanted to answer the question from a spiritual perspective, not political, just purely spiritual. Um, and we hope that you were able to uh, see our point of view today and respect it. Um, and then finally, if someone's out there that's listening that feels great guilt and shame because they've had an abortion, we do want to end with this hope of the good news about Jesus Christ and that we believe that Jesus has come to forgive us of our sins. He's come to forgive us and there's no sin that's too big for the cross of Jesus Christ to cover. He, he shed his blood for all of our sin and um, all of us fall, have sin and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. Yeah. You know, all of us have done things that we feel guilty about or feel shame about yeah. and we wish we could undo them. And Jesus not only forgives you and gives you new life and declares you a new person before him, but he also promises to bring eternal life to that baby as well. And what a gift that is that yeah. you might say, well, I already did it. It's done. I can't put the, I can't undo it. Yeah. But we want to tell you that there's hope. There's great hope through the good news about Jesus Christ. We love you. We love you all in our church, our school, our early learning center, all of our friends all over the globe that are listening and watching. Um, and we hope that the love of Jesus Christ was in some way compelling to your hearts today. Um, we would love to tune in with you next time. And I think next time we should answer that question. You know, are Christians doing anything about the other challenges that we see in our world today? Sound good? Sounds good. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs>